0: We're live, and anything free is worth saving up for, just like us here on System.debug.
1: This one's for you, RJ.
2: Right? Dude. Oh, I like it. it. (laughs) Dude, it comes from Wild West. I
1: I still listen to the episode. I listened to the episodes I'm not part of. I heard you request,
2: dude. It was oh man, the first time you played that. I think you tried to play it live, and it sounded like really cowboyish, and I, I've loved it ever since. So. <laughs> Jared says
0: so jam. Dude,
1: I was I was listening to the um, what do you call it? The uh, the episodes, dude. so that I could rip them today, and I I heard you talk about that again i'm like i'm gonna surprise him and throw that into tonight's episode so i grabbed the guitar real quick like an hour ago and just like recorded that
2: dude that was an amazing surprise i love yeah
1: that. well
0: i was surprised because like when he was testing the bump it was this loud obnoxious version of the electronic one that like made me go whoa so i wasn't expecting that
1: it was all part of my plan
0: that was awesome way to go ryan Whew. that's like bait and dude. switch that's like that was a good plan that was a well orchestrated plan very good it sounded like an orchestra with one instrument oh my god okay
1: what? i wouldn't go that far <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway all what right What are we talking about tonight brian tonight we're gonna talk about
0: whether or not sfdx is right for you
1: isn't that answer always yes pretty
0: much great episode guys
1: Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Nice. Thanks for watching. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, so what is, what, what is SFDX? Ryan,
1: can you give us a little rundown? Salesforce DX. Well, that's what it stands for. I guess Salesforce developer experience is kind of the way I explain it is the modernization of development on the Salesforce platform. It brings us up to the same level that uh, other languages and people are using where your your source code repository is your source of truth. No longer necessarily is your scratch or your developer org. See, I'm already in the mode, scratch org. Your developer org, your source of truth. Now, everything lives in your repository. You use Salesforce DX to um, push uh, your branches from Git over to your org. So, yeah, did I miss anything in a nutshell?
0: No, in a nutshell, I mean, that's pretty much it.
1: Cool. I was like, you put me on the spot, man. I didn't know I was going to be the one talking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone's got to be involved, right? But yeah. I like to just stand here, look at the camera, and shake my head a lot.
0: So I do want to, uh, you know, quick, not to not to break hearts when people are, are wondering, where's the code in this episode? RJ is going to be making some of the six-minute Salesforce videos on how to stand up your Salesforce DX, how to... In- implement the uh cli and walk through some of those other kinds of things in some of his six minute salesforce videos so if you're a fan of those stay tuned because they will be coming up um is that right that's right right that's right yes that's absolutely (laughs) correct sorry spencer walked in he's hanging out right here
2: yeah so basically what we're going to do today is talk about it conceptually and then later on uh as those episodes come out you'll learn the little chunks here and there about everything um that goes on with uh Salesforce DX and how to, how to start up your own scratch org and then go from there. Right. So we're going to start from scratch that joke. Right. And, and go all the way through to basically using it like a professional would in an environment, in an enterprise environment, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. I'm on board. I'm looking forward to the, the videos cause there's, there's just so much there to do that. We couldn't possibly like bring it all up here on the thing so yeah the the higher level approach for discussion tonight i'm all on board let's let's let where are we starting with this thing
0: okay so well i mean where do you go to find out more where do you install it right obviously as with almost anything else in salesforce's ecosystem you can always visit trailhead and walk through tutorials there if you don't want to wait for the six minute salesforce videos to come out that being said it's really just as easy as installing the cli now if you're a vs code user um, which is a free IDE, um, Visual Studio Code, you can actually, in their little plugin box down, it, little weird symbol in Visual Force Code, just click it and look for Salesforce and you'll see Salesforce CLI there. So that's pretty much all you're gonna end up needing. Um, there might be a couple of other things depending on what you're doing, uh, but for the most part, that's it's a very easy install. It doesn't take very long and you're pretty much up and running after that. Once you get your workspace set up, um, like you would with any typical project in an IDE. Uh, And the only command you need to have memorized for Salesforce's uh, DX is actually just SFDX space dash H because they have made it super freaking easy to know what the next command is um, in order to figure out what it is that you're going to be attempting to do, whether you're creating a new scratch org or pushing to your packaging environment or converting your metadata API, which we can talk about in a little bit. um, Dash H is always going to give you all of that information.
1: It's just like your standard, if, if you're familiar with Linux or Unix or anything like that, or I guess even Windows had, it. it's been a long time since using Windows command line, but you can always type the command minus H and it'll give you your basic commands to get started. So generally, like the individual commands are separated by colons and everything. So you can do, I think every one of those has their own dash H. So you can get more information as you type down further and further and to to the point where you just, it'll tell you exactly what you need to do. So
2: that's super awesome yeah docker not to get too off uh topic but docker does the same thing where you say like docker dash help okay let me tell you all the commands that docker can do okay boom and then you get in one level and you say docker compose dash help and it's like oh let me tell you all the things docker compose can do and it just keeps going on and on so that's super awesome um super quick side note we're going to be starting on the six minute salesforce in um, that exact id in in visual studio code VS Code, as people call it. So that's the track we're going, just so people can kind of get ready for it.
1: So, would you recommend if they're going to follow along with your six minute Salesforce videos to go ahead and install VS Code ahead of time?
2: Yep. I would say definitely do that. I'm going to, the first one is going to be how to set up your uh, VS Code environment to work directly with uh, Salesforce and, and Salesforce DX.
1: Awesome. Cool. So, we're going to provide everything, man. They just got to show up. Click on view.
2: That's the point, right? You show up, we'll
1: do the rest. Yeah, and click on like and subscribe when they're viewing too. Just, just no, I'm just saying. It's all about this
0: thing though. When you say it, yeah, yeah, it's I, I keep forgetting to do that.
1: It it's there somewhere.
0: So if you're already using VS Code, um, you're not going to really need to do a ton of different stuff to change the way that your code is already structured. Okay, um, it's going to do a lot of that sort of stuff for you. You might have to do some sort of merging. Um, but for the most part, it's it shouldn't be too difficult, I think, to stand it all up. Um, there is some differences in the fact that the the metadata API has changed, like we've said that before. So when you are converting your code the way it is now, you're just hitting that sfdx-h and you're gonna see the MD API convert. And that basically is just gonna allow you to convert whatever your source tree is into the SFDX format. And then when you're pushing it out to your packaging org, if you're an ISV or something like that, you know, then it's as simple as converting it back to the standard meta AD, metadata API. And one of the cool things that comes from that conversion is making a lot of things easier to read. So if you've ever dealt with the metadata API, um, let's just say with objects, for instance, now rather than having one giant XML file filled with all of the fields and all of the record types and all those kinds of things inside of your org, it's going to, each field will be its own file. So it becomes a lot easier to kind of navigate around. Um, And I know that sounds confusing because I was really confused about it at first. I don't want 50 files for one object, but trust me, it actually is really, really nice. Um, Some of the other cool things about uh, spinning up uh, SFDX stuff is is Scratch Orgs, as Ryan mentioned. Now, Ryan, can you explain a little bit about what what a Scratch Org is?
1: So a Scratch Org is a super temporary um, place to do your development. So it's basically... Um, I'm going to use the term developer org, but to get into more details, you can make it a developer org, enterprise org, blah, 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 etc. But it's a very lightweight, quick way to spin up um, just an, uh, an org for you to start doing your development in. The concept being... Um, some people break it out for a feature. For a given feature, I'm gonna spin up a new scratch org. So that way you can keep everything you're doing separate. If I'm working on feature A and somebody else is working on feature B, we can have our own scratch orgs independent of one another, et cetera. And then when you're done, you pull it down and then you can push it up to your source code repository with git push or with SVN commit or whatever um um source code repository you're using, right? A lot of people I think think that like there's this tight integration plugin style SFDX and Git. And um, if there is, I haven't used it. I just use the Git commands and I use SFDX commands. So um, I just want to make that delineation there. But basically, yeah, ScratchOrg is a really scaled down version, a place for you to just focus on one thing, do your code, make sure it does well, bring it down, push it up. Then that ScratchOrg will go away. You can delete it then right away if you need to. Um, there are parameters you can pass the command to make it like seven days, thirty days. I think, I think thirty is the longest you can. Thirty do. is
0: the max you can do. And yeah. I and I understand like uh, especially if you've been developing in the same org for a long time, that's kind of annoying, right? Uh, at least it seems that way. Um, you may have data set up that you always utilize, you're used to having it there, you can't imagine having to spin up a whole new scratch org and that data is gone missing, right? Uh, Salesforce understood that, they've accounted for that. You can actually create whole JSON files, JavaScript object notation files, um, with records in them already, right? So you're like, I just wanna create a whole thousand list of accounts and anytime you deploy a scratch org, you can have plugin setup that'll automatically deploy all that data too so it's very easy to kind of get yourself up and running right without having to constantly go back in and manually enter all that data Um, and what's really neat is that if you have a bunch of like you know I know with uh, with with my company's ISV you know there's a lot of things I test like script injections right where I put script tags as name fields in certain records in order to see is this gonna break the software if somebody puts a script tag as a name field, right? Mm -hmm. Those things you can set up all over the place so that you've actually got a whole bunch of really cool test data squared away for whenever you start it up, right? Um, But there's actually some really, really cool other neat features about scratch orgs that right now you didn't have the ability to do, okay? So whenever you signed up for a developer account, right? It lasted as long as you kept logging into it once a year right um but a developer account in salesforce a developer org is pretty much a enterprise or an unlimited dish edition of salesforce with some you know limited data limitations as well as user limitations um but you couldn't just go out and say i want to test my software in a group edition org right couldn't just sign up for a group edition org trial um if you activated certain things in orgs you couldn't disable them right person accounts can't disable them multi-currency can't disable it once it's enabled that's that's all there is to it so what's really neat about the scratch orgs is that you can actually set up your scratch orgs with these things enabled already or in a group edition org so that you can kind of test the limits of all of that stuff without having to contact your admin or your rep at salesforce and say i just I just need this for 30 days right um and those are some of the things that, as an ISV, you know, we struggle with from time to time because you know you will get that uh, client who is using a group edition org with your software installed in it, and saying, "My classes aren't compiling," and you go, "Well, I can't fix that. I have no idea what's going wrong with that." Right? Um, so these are things that are they're making it a lot easier for ISVs. And that being said, um, you know, with ISVs and with you know, obviously, we're building off uh we're building our product as a team right so is salesforce dx team ready so to speak you know is it something that is only good for an individual user or is it something that's good for all users ryan
1: now i love this one because um for the longest time i lived on an island right and it was just me and it worked great for just me and i was really curious and then um I got put on a project where I actually had a team, and we started the project from scratch, which was an advantage. I can get into that later, Um, but started the project from scratch using Salesforce DX with the team, and it worked beautifully. And it um, really—you don't really necessarily have to worry about. Oh well, so and so made these changes in this org. I got to go pull them down and bring them over here, whatever. Because remember. When they're done with their work, they're pushing to a repository. So then that moves the source of truth to the repository. And if you're familiar with how to work within your repository, you're fine. You merge the changes in, boom, I can spin it up. And now I've got John's changes in my org. I got Jennifer's changes in my org. And I can work together and add my stuff and make sure it doesn't blow stuff up. Right. So um, it absolutely is perfect for teams, Um, definitely for ISVs as well. So
2: Here's some magic about that. You should be able to do all the Git stuff because there are like two or three videos on six-minute Salesforce just about Git. So you should, you should definitely be able to work with a repository, and if you can't, you will be able to in about 12 to 18 minutes. Just yeah. start throwing that out there.
1: Yeah, RJ's oh, got to take I'm
2: I'm just trying to make sure everyone's covered is really the thing. But anyway, sorry, I had to interject. Uh,
1: sorry. I had I had to respond in chat. It is not meant for um, ears, but if you can follow along when you watch later, you'll see what uh, is going on. Sorry, I, I was distracted. I'm back now. Oh, I'm <laughs> distracted Ryan. I was yeah. distracted Ryan. It, it's easy to distract me. Shiny, so, shiny.:
2: So what's the good reason? like whats uh, or you were mentioning right? Um, hey, it's really good that we started from scratch. Why, why is that? Because I you piqued my interest, and now I'm curious.
1: So when you are going from scratch, um, you have the ability to then plan more modularly, right? And you can split up your repos by feature if you want, or by sections of functionality is probably the better way. Um, but when you're going into an existing org, There are some challenges, however, Zane um, from Salesforce, a Salesforce uh, developer evangelist, is doing a great series right now on um, uh, 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 unlocked packages and being able to split up your monolithic org into individual, basically independent apps that all work together. So that's, that's the concept is when you're starting from scratch, you can think of your application as this is a silo of functionality, this is a silo of functionality, this is a silo of functionality, and I can split things up that way so that they don't kind of just have all these cross and interdependencies, right? When you're coming into a more monolithic org, there's a little more work involved into looking into, okay, what can I split out into its own module, basically, or its own repository of functionality, right? Um, That said... I have pulled down an entire monolithic org before into one Salesforce DX and it works fine, but that's generally not the, uh, I guess, the the way, I don't want to say best practice because it's so new is their best practices. But anyway, I just, it's meant more to be able to have your specific silos of code. I'm going to call them silos, but that's a bad example too because silos kind of indicates that they don't work together. But these individual verticals of functionality that you want um, to be managed via repo rather than just having this big, huge repo with all of this intermingled functionality and stuff. So highly recommend checking out Zane um, and all the stuff she's doing on that right now because that was it was a challenge for some people. Some orgs had to make a decision like, are we going to go monolithic? Are we going to take the three to six months it's going to take us to evaluate our org and figure out where the dependencies are and start to remove them so that we can have these, you know, individual apps. So that's, that, that's why I said, um, we were a bit of an advantage to be able to start Greenfield because we could think about that from the the get go. Right.
2: Nice. Yeah. Just to kind of reiterate, um, having a monolithic org or having a monolith as an, as an application isn't bad, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's not what we're saying at all. Um, Ryan's just kind of saying like, this is how the workflow goes, right? So you can have a monolithic uh, kind of application if that's what works for you. Um, It's not bad. There's, uh, there's a negative connotation around that word, but it's, it's not bad. You can also split things out into microservices too, which is kind of that same, that same, uh, what would you call that?
1: concept yeah it's it's the very same it's the very same concept is do one thing do it well and you know you can take that the extra step is this one thing lives in this repo this one thing lives in that repo at the end of the day they all get pushed to my sandbox or my packaging org and they can all work together assuming you've you know you've engineered it appropriately and stuff but
2: nice yeah so that's a good advantage of starting from scratch
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it just makes the it makes the hit the ground running a lot easier. Otherwise, um, if you decide you want to do it more modular, which is the way people seem to be recommending, um, you do have some work in front of you to figure out how to break it up into areas of functionality.
2: Nice. Yeah, Yeah, that would have been super handy to have, by the way. Um, just in case, again, kind of reiterating on what Brian was saying earlier. It's, uh, it's really hard to get into some people's orgs when they're having issues, especially when they won't give you permission. So this is this is huge. Like, if we had this, I don't know, a year ago, this would have helped save me weeks worth of work.
1: Mm-hmm. Particularly of with the data, work. yeah. That 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 uh, Brian was referring to, right? I mean, it, it gives you commands. You can do SFDX queries and then do your joins, and it spits out all of this, you know, JSON data. And you can even get, if you want to get creative you can um, get in there and start modifying some of those once you kind of figure out how that is formatted and do some even more next level complicated stuff with that data making the relationships back and forth because we ran into some limitations on how you write that query and getting some of the relationships to work but you can always go in after the fact and clean it up if you had to, right? Um, I know somebody that was doing that and holy cow, I was impressed with what she was able to pull off. So it was pretty cool. Um, Megan is asking, "What about the whole automated deployments with DX?" Um, so, does anybody else want to speak to that? I have I have a comment, but go ahead and comment, Ryan. So, the advantage of uh, it being a CLI tool is that you can use whatever environment you're in to systematically kick off uh, the Salesforce DX commands, right? So, you can use Bash, Bash scripting. I've seen people use Python um salesforce.org has this whole process that they can kind of wrap around and and use some stuff there um so yeah you can basically just script your way through the entire process uh, from checking it out to building it to deploying it and then if you've got um, the environment set up appropriately if you have automated tests windmill tests or selenium tests or anything else that can run all of that stuff um, you can have it call back and forth and when it build fails it can email you yeah, you can go pretty, pretty nutso with the amount of um, automation. It's not necessarily built into DX, but it's because DX is command line accessible that you can script for all of that. So you can go crazy.
0: Had to find my unmute button. And it's, it's actually, it's a lot easier um, than a lot of us, I feel like, had anticipated right? Um, Anytime Salesforce kind of rolls something out, it's just like any other software platform where you you feel like, this is going to be tricky. I don't have time for this. I'll deal with it later. Right? But Mm -hmm. I would have to say that Salesforce DX was not one of those things for me.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was, it, it really had a low barrier to entry particularly if you're used to working on the command line and working with git and stuff like that it really was a pretty darn low barrier to entry and the the different articles on how to use it trying to remember if i even did a trailhead on that is there a trailhead on that i'm sure there is um but if not the developer.salesforce.com has stuff you walk through it gives you all of the information i mean Yeah, it's just, I think I kind of learned it more trial by fire than anything else, but it really wasn't a steep learning curve at all for us. Um, It was very good. Um, Raymond brings up a really good point in the chat here. He's talking about they have some automated deployments with Jenkins and stuff. So that's another thing, you know, if you have a continuous integration system, you can script for that, right? So Salesforce DX is agnostic of the tools that you're using. Right, it it can work with Git because Git is part of your process. It can work with Subversion because that's part of the process. It can work with Jenkins, or I can't remember some of the other uh, CIs that are out there. But for whatever reason, I'm blanking on them. Jenkins is the one I'm most familiar with. Um, So yeah, it's it's an awesome tool.
2: Yeah, you got Jenkins. You got Travis. Those are Travis. That's the one. Yeah, Travis is a pretty big one. Um, You got Circle now. Circle CI, which is pretty big. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they have any uh, implementation with Salesforce because they're like web based rather than like you building the pipeline locally and throwing it up. You build the pipeline like up on the web. But either way, it's plenty of CI/CD tools out there. Um, and like Ryan saying, it, this is completely platform agnostic. Like you can plug pretty much anything into this um, that you want to. So it's going to work with your flow, which is kind of atypical in, in uh, software today.
1: That's a good point, man. A lot of them like force you into doing it their way. And that was kind of what Salesforce was before DX, right? You kind of had to do it the only way you could, right? And yeah, so that's yeah, that's a good point, is it doesn't force you into doing it any certain way. You know, we don't have to have a monorepo, we don't have to have modules, we don't have to use Jenkins, we can use whatever we want. We don't have to use Git. We can use Bitbucket or you know, Mercurial or anything like that. So
0: but if you're following along with the system .dot debug six minute Salesforce, it's Git.
1: Yes, it's definitely Git. I mean, I I, I don't want to say that's all there is because I think Facebook uses Mercurial, right? But I mean, man, seventy five percent of the time you're talking to developers, they're using Git, right? Was, ten years ago, they were using CVS or Subversion. Now everybody's using Git. They've made the you know. ten
0: years before that it was Notepad.
1: <laughs> Actually. T- 10 years before that. So we're talking like 20 years ago when I was first in this, we did an evaluation of a product called PVCS. I can't remember who did it, but that was back when you had to like, you would flag a file as being checked out and then nobody else could work on it. Right. It was like, you would try to have to do work and like, Oh, Nope. Ryan Headley's working on this file. You can't do anything with that. Uh, So yeah, I, I remember all of that stuff. That was crazy times, but we are much more modern now. So, Including It's like in before the
0: film. you use Git and you have a packaging org and you just basically put on everybody's calendar, don't touch this file for the next three hours.
1: Exactly. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to have to work that way. There there was a beauty to being on an island for a while, and then when finally I had a team, having everybody familiar with how to work as a team was really awesome. But yeah, that's all I have for that.
2: Apparently it was proprietary software released by the author Polytron. PhDs.
1: Polytron.
2: Yeah, um and it was developed by Serena Software.
1: Wow. Yeah. None of those company names sound familiar to me at all. It
2: was written in <laughs> C, C++, and Java, according to this according to this wiki article.
1: I remember I just I had to I had to drive down to Chicago and take like a week long class with it with another help desk person. Don't ask me why the help desk was in charge of it, but we were in charge of it. (laughs) And so, yeah,
2: Weird. maybe it was a standard that was implemented by several different uh, companies.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure
2: either way. Glad you're off it. Um, if just side note again, another six minute, uh, Salesforce side note, if anyone does want something else, um, if you guys are looking for subversion or Mercurial or any of that stuff, let us know. Always let us know in the comments. I'm going to do this thing. Um, let us know in the comments, subscribe
0: and like, (laughs) yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, let us know on the six minute Salesforce videos. Let us know on here. Let us know wherever. I mean, we're, we're, we're down to help you guys. That's the whole entire point of the show, this podcast and everything that
0: we produce all of our content. I just use it as an excuse to stare at Ryan every two weeks.
1: Well, who doesn't, but beside the point, I mean, we do have people in the chat. I can only assume they're here for me. And the yes. Deadpool
2: shirt, right? So. And, the, and Oh, man, but your hat. You don't have your hat right now.
1: No, I, I have, the,
2: have the hat this week. I was going to say in your
1: hat,
0: but you didn't have it on. I brought it back.
1: They're here for the acoustic bump, RJ. They are.
0: <laughs> now so they speaking are. of the acoustic bump, before it happens, um, I wanted to let you know that make sure you guys attend or watch the episode in two weeks. We are going to have a special guest, a good friend of ours in the ecosystem. And... Other than that, if you're going to Dreamforce, we want to know because we want to be able to meet you there, right? We've got some of us going, um, three of our hosts at least, Ryan, myself, and Megan. Uh, sorry, RJ. Does that, does that make you feel salty? I'm don't sorry. Make me cry. I don't know.
1: <laughs> we got to get him there somehow, somehow.
2: It'll happen one day, maybe.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank everybody so much for joining us tonight. And if you have a bunch of questions about SFDX, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, comment on the link or comment on this video. You've got to do that. And uh, we'll do our best to answer them or at least point you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: We'll do our absolute best.
1: Okay, are you ready for the acoustic bump, Megan? Since you didn't get to hear it, RJ, y'all ready?
2: I'm super ready for it.
1: All right, here it comes. Sounds like a coffee shop.
0: I like it. Can we do it in a coffee shop next time? (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. You guys have a great night. Thanks again.